It's no secret that the Washington Nationals are in the middle of their huge rebuild, but there's something about this rebuild that we aren't really paying attention about, and it's not drafting. It's not developing players, but it may be what's surrounding the Washington Nationals. I'm going to get to that right after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And we're going to get started by thanking you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Clary, and we have taken our passion, including myself, me, myself, and I, so it's our passion in the podcast form with the Locked On Podcast Network where you get your team every single day. And guys, we know this. Every single day for the next few years, we know the Nationals are in the thick of a rebuild. And I thought about this the other day. What are some factors in a rebuild that the Nationals, or any team really, can't control? One can't really control injuries and how injuries affect your tanking or like a Steven Strasburg contract or something else you can't control is a bad contract when it comes to Patrick Corbin. You can't control, you can't really dictate when someone's going to fall off a cliff, not from injuries, not from old age, from just not being that good anymore. There are things that cause a rebuild that you can't really discuss and really have answers for. Some things, it just happens, and you can't dictate that. You can't decide that. Well, there's also another factor in this to where it may dictate whether how long this rebuild could be. Because when I look at it from the surface, the Nationals right now, they do have one of the better farm systems in all of baseball in my mind. I think you have two guys that could be elite superstars, and there's multiple other cases to be made for other guys turning into stars. But That's not what today is about. Today is about controlling what we can control. But here's one thing. There's one massive step to a rebuild that you can't control. And what is that? That is the surrounding of your division. Looking at the NL East, you look at the Phillies. Their playoff window, their World Series window just opened up. And not to mention, they had pitching out the you-know-what coming up in that farm system for them. They have a top 10 prospect with Andrew Painter, the number one pitching prospect in baseball right now. He's going to be coming up soon. Only 19 years old, maybe just 20 years old. You got the New York Mets. They have Francisco Alvarez, one of the top prospects in all of baseball. They have more guys, Brett Beatty, to name a few. Then you look at the Marlins. They're even on the up and come up. They have pitching prospects out the you-know-what, just like the Philadelphia Phillies do. Yuri Perez, a top-10 prospect in all of baseball right now. They've already got the reigning Cy Young winner in the National League. And then you look at the Atlanta Braves, who have their entire core. Austin Riley, Ronald Acuna, 
Name them. Name the core. They had that set up for the next decade plus. Because when you look at rebuilds, and let's take you back to 2012, when the Nationals officially completed their rebuilds when they first got to Washington, D.C. Well, you took Steven Strasburg, number one overall in that 2009 MLB draft. That fared off pretty well. 2010 draft, you take Bryce Harper, number one overall. Here's where it gets a little tricky. 2011, it was up. And the second half of the season, it was kind of like the Orioles of this last season. You're starting to see it click. You're starting to hover around 500 and make some noise. Now, we weren't the Orioles of that last year, but hear me out. Then in 2012, you take that next step. You win 98 games. You win the division. You're the betting favorite to win the World Series for 2012 and 2013, and you don't win either of those years. But how did that Nationals team really get the come up? Well, let's take a look at it. The Philadelphia Phillies, if you remember, that 2011 season was their final get-together of a playoff team for that roster of Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, all those guys, the core of those Philadelphia Phillies teams, Jimmy Rollins, name them, Carlos Ruiz, all these different guys that made up that roster, they fell apart. David Wright and the Mets, they were banged up. The Florida Marlins and the Miami Marlins at the time traded for Jose Reyes. That didn't really help them too much. The division around us started to crumble. And what what were the Nationals doing? They were climbing. In this situation right now, the four teams around the Washington Nationals and the National League East, they are the ascending climbing teams right now, which makes me think, unfortunately, this rebuild may take a little longer than what we have anticipated. And I say that, and it's a tough thought because I sit here and think, and I'm like, well, you got James Wood. You have Elijah Green. You have Robert Hassel, Christian Baccaro, Cade Cavalli, Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, all these different guys that fit in the puzzle piece of making a good, well-rounded baseball team. But here's the thought. We haven't really talked about how good the National League East is around us. Now, the Marlins aren't in the same categories when it comes to the Mets or the Braves or even the Phillies at this point. Those three teams are far better than the Marlins and the Nationals, of course, this second. But they have a window right now to where if you look at all three of those teams, those three teams in particular, the Mets where they have an owner that's willing to spend. And if you don't know that about the Yankees, They've been willing to spend for years now. They don't really do the the rebuild thing. They spend. Well, guess what? The New York Mets are that and more. You look at the Braves. They've got a whole decade window. And plus, unlike anyone, any other system in baseball, they still have produced the talent year after year. And then you look at the Philadelphia Phillies. They have Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Alec Bohm. They got the pitching, Zach Wheeler, all these different guys, Aaron Nola. You name them, they have the talent. And they spent on Trey Turner, in my opinion, the best shortstop in all of baseball. So all of this to say, this rebuild that the Nationals are currently in may take a little longer than what we have anticipated. Because I look at this, and I truly believe next year in 2024, I think the Nationals could and should win 70 plus win or win 70 plus games this upcoming year. That's what I do look at that as. 
in 2024, 70 plus wins. This year, we're probably going to be scratching the floor at about 100 losses. We understand that. But then again, when are we going to start to see the growth? In next year, I would project that to be like, hey, this is when we're going to be in 2011, which is 2024. And if you know what I'm referencing with 2011, as I was saying, that's when we started to see it click. And then in 2025, that's when we'll take off. But I think it could be a little more delayed with that just because of how good the division is around us and how good they will be for years to come. Now, talk to me in a year from now. It may look a little different. Things may look a little different. Trey Turner may have fallen off. Maybe Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander aren't what they thought, aren't what they thought they would be back in 2018 or wherever. Different guys in different situations may not work out to what we think. But then again, it's tough to look at all three of those teams and even the four teams, if you count the Marlins, and their pitching. Because we do know this. As Nationals fans, as baseball fans in general, pitching wins in October. Defense wins in October. Those things matter. And they matter. Maybe defense doesn't matter more than offense. But pitching, certainly. If you don't have pitching, guess what? You're toast in the playoffs. Absolutely toast. Your pitchers need to be on. They need to be firing. And most importantly, it needs to be effective. And so with that, I look at all these teams around us and I'm like, man, this is going to be a tough one to catch up to. Because just looking at the NL East, they are miles ahead of us right now. And while we are on the come up, in my opinion, it seems a little quick. But if we didn't trade away Juan Soto, then we wouldn't be talking about this team on the come up because all these prospects that we would have gotten, Cade Cavalli would be in the major leagues. He wouldn't be a prospect. You would have Brady House still as your number one guy. TJ White would be up there as well. Then Elijah Green, of course, the top five pick of this last year's draft. That would be our farm system. Not James Wood, not Robert Hassel, not Yarlin Susanna. All these guys, it would be a completely different story. And who knows? If you don't sell at the deadline, you may not have K-Bert Ruiz. You may not have Josiah Gray. And these are all what-if scenarios. But then again, when projecting a rebuild, people don't counter the fact that the National League East is filthy. And some of these teams are set up, really, if you make the argument, what like I do, I think the Braves, the Phillies, and the Mets, I think they all have a decade window that's wide open right now. And that is a tough pill to swallow, I will say. But then again, you got to swallow it because I think that's what we are in. So how long do I think this rebuild could and should take? Well, that's something we'll get into in the offseason. But just from looking at it from this perspective, it may take a little longer than what you think. Because by looking at the talent that we have now in our farm system, trying to project some things and when guys will come up, some guys may not be that good. I would look at this thing and be like, yeah, I think by 2024 and 2025, that's when we start seeing things click. We start seeing some results and more wins, especially with the added wild card spot nowadays. It's a little easier to make the playoffs than what you may think. So let's be cautious about this rebuild, and especially looking around the NL East, 
you got to be careful about what we say, what we think about them. Those are some damn good teams out there. But I do want to get into Corey Dickerson. And of course, Corey Dickerson, he's been a, he has had a tough offseason on Nationals Twitter. Some guys love him. Some guys hate him. Some people hate, don't like him. It doesn't really matter. But then again, Corey Dickerson does have a role with this team. And it's going to be a much bigger role than you may have anticipated, including myself. I'm going to tell you about what to expect as Corey Dickerson has gotten off to one of the hottest starts in spring training. And I know I say that every other day with a new player, but then again, you look at the numbers for Corey Dickerson. I mean, he's the MVP of spring training so far. So we're going to talk about the season and some expectations to have for him. But first, I got to tell you guys about my friends over at FanDuel. And guys, midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain. The Wizards were playing last night, and guess what? If you faded the Wizards, you're just like me, and you do what I do. So tonight, we're going to take the Warriors on the money line. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. And when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now we get back into projecting some numbers when it comes to Corey Dickerson. And here's my thing with Corey Dickerson. When the Nationals signed him back over the winter, it was kind of one of those signings like a a head scratcher, you could say. But even then, it made a little bit of sense considering that he's a left-handed bat that plays in the outfield. The Nationals needed a left-handed bat. And in particular, they needed a veteran who has had good seasons recently, and who could be a, let me know if you've heard this one again, a trade acquisition at the deadline for another team. Maybe Corey Dickerson outkicks his coverage, and guess what? Has a career year. And if he does, price tag is going up for the Nationals at that sale deadline. Here's what it is with Corey Dickerson. The Nationals did not sign Corey Dickerson to be one of the faces of the Nationals. They didn't sign Corey Dickerson to even be a one-year solution in the outfield. They know what they want from Corey Dickerson. They know what they want. They want to see his power back in play. They want to see his 24-home run season that he had back in 2016 with the Rays. They want to see him reach back to his form to where he once was at the top of his game. He's no longer there anymore. And it's been clear by that last year with the St. Louis Cardinals, he had some higher expectations after having a decent season in 2021. Well, in 2022 with the Cardinals, he had a 698 OPS with a 399 slugging percentage. Now, here's the thing with Corey Dickerson. He's not some wild freak power hitter. He's not a 40 home run guy. But then again, Extra base hits, home runs, RBIs, those are all in his game. 
in looking at some of his highest uh, highest slugging seasons, you look back at 2019 with the Philadelphia Phillies for that quick stint with them. He had a 579 slugging. 2014 with the Cubs, get a 567 slugging percentage. Or not with the Cubs, the Rockies. Corey Dickerson has had good years, and more importantly, has had productive seasons. But what what is considered a success when it comes to Corey Dickerson? Because when I look at him, I don't hate this move for the Nationals. I think this is someone who, one, has been around winning clubs, who has been in the postseason, and who has played in some high-pressured situations and has ultimately come through in some of those. That part is a valuable asset when it comes to a rebuilding team. Because here's the thing with the young players. You don't want them to get adjusted to this losing thing. You know? You don't want C.J. Abrams to be expecting to lose every game. You don't want Joey Manessis to be expecting to lose every game. Mackenzie Gore. Name these younger guys, and I know Joey Manessa isn't that young, but then again, that's what it will be over these next few years. Probably a little more losses than wins. We expect that, but that's not even the focal point when it comes to Corey Dickerson. This is what we need from him. We need Corey Dickerson's power back, not only to help us and to help us win, get some wins under the belt, and maybe surprise some people, but also... I'll tell you on a little secret. They don't expect to keep Corey Dickerson. They're not banking on Corey Dickerson to be a monster. They want him to be just fine so they can ship him off at the deadline for maybe an extra arm or two, or maybe another Lane Thomas, someone like that, or an Alex Call. Who knows? But that's what the Nationals want from him. They want him to show his value and stick to his strengths. And his strength over the years It has been hitting for power. He needs to get extra base hits again. He needs to be aggressive in the box because this is someone who also, not only is he a solid power hitter, this is someone who has won a gold glove award just as close as 2018, back with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And he was an all-star in 2017 with the Tampa Bay Rays. This is someone, again, who has hit for power who has had back-to-back 24-plus home run seasons in the MLB. A left-handed bat at Nationals Park that plays really well. Extra base hits in that right-center gap form. That's going to be a friendly park form. It's going to be a friendly environment when it comes to left-handed hitters, as we've seen plenty of times over the years. Juan Soto, Daniel Murphy, Bryce Harper, Adam LaRoche. Name the lefties that kill with extra base hits. That's what Corey Dickerson can be. That's his ceiling. I'm not now, he's not Bryce Harper. He's not any of those guys when it comes to hitting. But then again, he can hit for some power. And that's what he needs to get back into. You know, I talk about Trevor Williams a lot, a lot in what I expect of him. And some people get a little gruntled for when I talk about Trevor Williams and say, like, yeah, I wouldn't have him as a starting pitcher because I don't believe in playing someone that isn't going to be using their strengths. And Trevor Williams is not a starting pitcher. He's a reliever. He's a fire extinguisher. He comes in to spray everything down and to cool it down. That's what he is. He's not a starting pitcher. He's not a top-of-the-rotation guy the way that the Nationals will be using him. Therefore, 
we're probably going to be setting himself up and ourselves up for failure. So with Corey Dickerson, he's just going to have to find his stroke again. He's going to have to get comfortable in the box. Because again, what do we talk about with this Nationals team and what really the blessing that not only do Nationals players have, but all the prospects that we have in our system. It's opportunity. Corey Dickerson's going to have this, but then again, his leash is going to be much, much shorter than guys like uh, Jake Alou, maybe, or even a Luis Garcia, C.J. Abrams. Because Corey Dickerson, when we ask ourselves, is he part of the foundation for the future Nationals? Absolutely not. He's not. And, you know, it doesn't mean that he's not going to be a useful part to this team. But when you're 33 years old, on the verge of turning 34 years old, and your production has been falling off the last few years, we don't really expect too much of you. What Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez, obviously they'll never say this, but what they want from him is to see that power back, is to be a presence in the locker room that actually helps and, and leads the younger guys in a young, super young clubhouse. That's why they brought in guys like uh, Matt Adams, Big City. They want to establish a clubhouse in a positive locker room. Well, guess what? That's going to be one of Corey Dickerson's main jobs. But then again, back to his on-field stuff, I need to see more power from the guy. Because that's where his value is when it comes to predicting seasons and what Corey Dickerson can do. And I think a lot of people mistake that for what we want to see from him. Corey Dickerson is not going to be some guy who we're going to be relying on day in and day out. Because in fact, I don't want to see him out there too much. But I do realize the factor that we can trade Corey Dickerson. And with that return, whatever it may be, that's just fine. Because let me remind you for the millionth time, who was John Lester traded for? When we shipped off John Lester back in the 2021 deadline, who did we get? You're right, Lane Thomas. You're telling me that a half year of production for John Lester, we got Lane Thomas back. And Lane Thomas isn't some superstar. But then again, we do have to ask our question of, can this guy help us down the line? And the answer is, I'm not sure yet. Maybe not. But then again, the door's not entirely closed for him being a fourth or fifth outfielder down for the next Nationals postseason team. And if you ask me, I guarantee you he's a fourth or fifth outfielder. I even think the conversation could be, is this guy going to be a third outfielder on a team? And that's certainly one to have. I'm not ready to make that argument yet. I need to see more from the lane train. But then again, just because someone is not that productive doesn't mean he's not going to be worth something at the deadline. Because just because a rebuilding team values someone maybe a little differently when it comes to a, a veteran presence like Corey Dickerson, we may throw a little more money at him. Because we understand the fact that, one, you're not going to be spending that much money, and two, you need to fill a role. And the Nationals, when they sign Corey Dickerson, they need a left-handed bat, they need a veteran presence, and they need an extra outfielder. So that's what they got. Because let's be honest. Do we want to sit through another season of Yadiel Hernandez? Do we? No, we don't. We don't want to sit through that. That's why they went 
to Corey Dickerson. But I did say I promised I would talk about his numbers. And I will say this. Through four games so far, he's killing the ball. Absolutely killing the baseball. I feel bad giving Corey Dickerson a hard time for, you know, not being the best player out there. But then again, I got to give the guy credit. He's at least hitting. He's at least showing us something. And when I talk about this, it's kind of tough in a sense. But when you're batting 462 and have an 1115 OPS through 13 at-bats, guess what? You're on a tear right now. Hat tip to Corey Dickerson on a hot start, and that was the expectations for Corey Dickerson in 2023. So thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom. Every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your pods and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network where you get your team every single day. And again, guys, always thank you for tuning in to Locked On Nationals. If you haven't already, Follow the account at LO underscore Nationals over on Twitter. If you haven't followed myself, give myself a follow at RyanClary11 over on the Twitterverse. Like we always end it, guys. Go now.